Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24. We'll start there. If you'll stand, let's honor God's word tonight as we read verses 24 through 30. I guess I'll title the message, While They Slept. While They Slept. Um, Verse 24 says, And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. He sowed what kind of seed? Good seed. That means probably a man in church. Probably a man that the Holy Ghost spoke to tonight. You stand on the brink of the river, but yet you won't get in. He's talking to church folks. Amen? Jesus is speaking a parable. He was talking to religious people. Verse 25, but while men slept, Listen to this. His enemy, not a enemy, his. And here's what every one of us under the sound of my voice, you have to know that tonight in this service, you have an enemy that's going to try to deter your mind from hearing what I'm going to tell you. You can reject me, refuse me, do whatever you want to do. Look at me and say, well, he's just so-and-so. I'm telling you, I'm ordained of God to be in this pulpit tonight. No matter if you like me, no matter if you hate me, no matter if you love me or you don't or you don't agree with me, I'm telling you, God sent me to this house tonight to tell you while men slept. There are people that sleep and there's an enemy assigned to your life. There's an enemy assigned to my life. His enemy, he was specific and there was an assignment attached to his life. Do we want that? No, no. Why do we need each other? To help fight off this enemy. Amen? To help fight off this enemy. There was an enemy that was sent to Sister Tammy tonight, but because of the body of Christ, they could love on her, draw her near. Amen? Thank God for that. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? Where'd the tares come from? I can tell you where they came from when you went to sleep on the church beat. When you heard what the Holy Ghost said tonight, but you said, surely that don't mean me because my personality isn't one that gets wet. God understands me. God understands that I don't like to get my feet wet and I don't like to take my shoes off and nobody see my feet. 
God didn't tell you to take your shoes off. He said, just get your foot in there. We, we bargained with God. And we say that God understands me. Here's what God understands. Psalm 103 says, we're all just dirt. That's what God understands. We all came from the same place. But if you have life in you, the life came from the same place too. That is the breath of God. And so you're right, God does understand us, but he don't understand disobedience. Here's what he do. He bring judgment to disobedience. And we wonder why. We wonder why we live under judgment. We wonder why we live under condemnation because you're not in Christ. You're not in the perfect will of God. So why do we live a condemned life? Get in the, right, get in the will of God and you won't be condemned. Amen. You still with me? He said unto them, an enemy came. An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, What thou then that we go and gather them up? Isn't that just like us to try to go fix the problem right then? But here's the problem. It's not for us to touch it. Amen. But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let growth grow together. Can I tell you talk about consequences to sleeping? Let your fruit be affected by the faults. God didn't do it. God told the church to wake up. Our redemption draws nigh. We chose to sleep. We chose not to fill our lamp with oil. We chose to sleep. We chose to slumber. God said, be ready, be prepared. The time is drawing near. Amen. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you up together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus, I just ask that you would help me, lead me, prepare our hearts tonight. God, speak to every heart here, young and old, saved, unsaved, close or far away. God, you desire to. You desire, Lord, to strengthen and awaken your body. Jesus, help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess my heart is very troubled tonight because much of the church is asleep. Much of the church is asleep. No. Go ahead, sister. Share it with us. The sparrow. Wow, praise God. If you only knew Brother Dave. No, no, I'm glad it did. Praise God. God's confirming. She loves sparrows, brother. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. Praise the Lord. We rejoice with you, Sister Tammy. Amen. That's what sowing does. Amen.
That's where we're going to get in just a minute. Amen. Listen to me. The sower determines his harvest. The sower determines his harvest. Amen. We were eating lunch, and uh, Brother Sanchez just kind of threw that out there, and I just grabbed a hold of it. (laughs) He said, the sower determines his harvest. He said, that farmer knows what rows he plants wheat in. The farmer knows where he plants oranges in. He knows the rows that he plants watermelons in. He knows when he put that seed in the ground what's coming up when it's time for the harvest. So the sower determines the harvest. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, he said, what you sow determines the harvest of that church. He said, if you tell your church to sow in missions, he said, if you tell your church to go into the world, he said, then that's going to be the harvest that GFCC reaps. He said, whatever you lead that church to sow in, He said, that's what that church is going to harvest in. He said, the sower determines the harvest. So think about that tonight. You're going to determine what you're sowing. What you're sowing, you're going to reap. Amen? We're going to reap what we sow. I was looking today when we were in marriage class, and God gave the authority to Adam to name every animal that came his way. He was sowing. And what he said, what? That's what it became. Now, there's authority in that. Now, I've just lost some of you. He said, hell, he done stepped over the line. He's that name it, claim it. Now, I'm just telling you, there's authority and dominion given to you and I, and what we say is going to go, amen, Under the, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, because did not God give the authority to Adam and say, whatever animal comes your way, just put a name on it, and that's what it's going to be, amen? Can we not do the same thing? Has God not given us the same authority, amen? We just have to speak to those things, amen? What did the Bible say? He said, Abraham said, said to that that was not as though it was. Amen. And there's times you may not see anything, but you have to just begin to name it. Amen. You have to begin to tap into the bloodline and you have to tap into faith and know God made a promise. I don't see it yet, but God, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to agree with you. God, you spoke in the Holy Ghost tonight. I don't know how we're going to get across that river, but I'm tired of sitting on the bank watching the river run by. The Holy Ghost told me to get in. I may not understand it. I I can't comprehend it, but God, you told me put my foot in, and by God, I'm going to go where God tells me to go. It don't make sense with me, but I know I'm going to start with one foot, but before this night's over, both feet's going to be planted in the river, and my God's going to move. I need to tell somebody tonight, when your feet move, God's hand moves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said when your feet move, God's hand moves. Amen. It was God's hand that held back that sea, that that river. Amen. Why did God's hand move? Because people's feet moved. And I'm telling you, when your feet move, God's hand will move on your behalf every time. Amen. God waits to see what we're going to do. Amen. Whoa. The problem is many of the church has went to sleep. I believe that was a wake-up call. Not one, but two. How many of you like to wake up? A lot of us like that hour extra sleep you got today, didn't you? Didn't have to be at church so early. Some of you woke up and said, whoa, it's already daylight. What's going on around here? Amen. You know, you're just looking around. You felt refreshed. But how many of us really just like to get up and just get going? We got two. Some people do like it. But some people like whenever that alarm starts going off, turn that thing off, right? Amen. Just it's too early. I've had a long night. I really don't want to get up. A lot of people don't like to be woke up. 
Can I tell you the church is in the same state? I don't like to be woke up. And so what does God have to do a lot of times when we keep shutting the alarm off? You ever had kids that you had to go in there and tell them it's school time? What do you got to do? That alarm's going off. They ain't listening to the alarm. Now what do matters do? Now matters get in mom and daddy's hand. Now, now, hallelujah, I don't know what's going on, but that tells me, amen, what begins to happen then? The alarm didn't work, so what are we going to do now? I'm going to put my hands on my child, and what are you going to do? How are you going to shake them? Don't let that get too deep over your head. I said we keep shutting the alarm off. We keep shutting the preacher out. We keep shutting the church out. We say, well, we really don't have to be faithful to the house of God. But when you do go, you let it go in one ear and out the other ear, everything that the man of God says. And we leave the house of God and we get in the trunk and we talk about everything that the man said, everything that he didn't say, and we talk about it, run them down, run them out. But we wonder why a shaking has come in this nation. I can tell you why the shaking has come because the church of Jesus Christ kept reaching over and shutting off the alarm when God was trying to wake us up but now but now God said I got us in a shaking if my people are going to wake up before the rapture hallelujah we kept playing games kept turning the alarm off well I got one more time in me I don't really have to heed the word right now I don't have to go to the secret place and pray I can read a five-minute devotion on my Facebook and get me through the day or through the week or through the year or through the month. That's good enough, isn't it? I don't have to get an order at church to pray. That's out of my comfort zone. I don't get my feet wet. I don't stand up in front of nobody. I don't go to church three times a week. I don't do that. That's just not my cup of tea. I know it's not, but the cup had to become Jesus. He begged it to pass him too, but he couldn't. My God! Jesus didn't want that cup either. Wake up! Our redemption draws nigh. Jesus didn't want the cup of wrath. You say, well, that's just not my cup of tea. Did Jesus just say, this is what I want? He asked his father three times, let this cup pass of me. What if Jesus is counting on you? What if Jesus is counting on you to take this church to the next level? But because you won't, he can't do it. What if while they slept, while they slept, is Jesus trying to wake us up? I know he is. We wonder why we're being affected in this nation the way we are. We wonder why. Now it's driven us to our knees. But did it take this? Did it have to come to this? I say it did. Why? Because the heart of God is that none perish. But all have everlasting life. And if the church had become so lazy and so pathetic and apathetic, we just kept shutting off the alarm. God really didn't mean what he said. He really didn't mean to get that serious with things, did he? He really didn't mean you had to get covered in the blood, did he? He really didn't mean all that, right? Yeah. And we just started shutting the alarm off. While men slept. We don't like to be bothered while we're sleeping. What do most people say too? 
Wonder why we're dealing with such attitudes in the church. You ever thought about that? Don't bother them while they sleep. If you wake them up when they sleep, they're fixing to let you know about it. Am I talking to anybody? Surely not. Surely not. You wonder why you start dealing with attitudes when you preach the truth. You tell somebody something they don't want to hear. Tell somebody no. I've said it a thousand times. You'll find out how spiritual they really are. You'll find out if a person's saved. Tell them no. Speak truth to somebody. They'll say, don't wake me up. You're going to get somebody that you don't like if you start trying to shake me. You shake me, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to come with blows. Don't you touch me while I sleep. Nobody bothers me while I sleep. You can't tell me that that isn't the state that the church is in. Don't touch me while I sleep, Brother Michael. Don't bother me. I'm going to get up swinging. Why are so many people swinging right now? Whenever the truth is preached. My God. Why? I can tell you why. Because we would much rather have it our way, the easy way. Listen to this. I read something this week, and I, I, I hate to even. A local church said this. We think church should be fun. Most of the time when we think of church, they think of something somber and serious. Ah. church that is drawing them in by the multitude that are drawing them in by the multitude but we don't think that represents God very well with a capital G you mean to tell me that my God is not serious (laughs) that's why we do fun things like mega awesome costume parties That's why when you walk through the doors, you'll see a lot of smiles, engaging music, and you guessed it, laughter. That's not how you remember church. Maybe it would be worth walking through those doors this Sunday. You might be surprised by what you experience. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've not read that in the word of God that that's the way that church is. (laughs) Because there's a lot of times in my life that I'm not smiling. Because sometimes there's something within me that's so serious that I may not be able to smile about until I get it out. Because I know every time I get to this church, that I'm waging war for every soul that is in this place. And I know every time I come to this house that it may just be this day that one, one person that I think is my closest relationship may turn away and walk away from me in that moment because I touched them while they slept. And they say, I warned you, don't touch me while I sleep. But am I here for them or am I here for him? And so we have to determine who we're here for every time we come to the house of God. And the problem in the church is, is that this church, 
They have a mega costume party. But the problem is, is the church in America has a costume party every time they meet together. We're very good at putting masks on to covering up the real issue of what's going on. I can tell you this one thing. When I got born again, when I was 25 years old, the first thing God did was when I wasn't doing well, I couldn't smile any longer because I could be high as a kite. I could be drunk. I could be a mess. I, could, I was in a place three abortions but I've had a smile from ear to ear and you never knew what was really going on on the inside of my life. But I tell you, when I got born again, the first thing God disengaged was a fake smile on my face. And now I thank God that when I struggle, everyone in the house around me said, I wonder what's wrong with Jared today. Well, just come ask me. And if you got a little time and will pray for me, I might just tell you. Hallelujah. And so the last thing I looked, Brother Michael, I may not have a smile on my face. I may have just lost somebody. There may be somebody that God's kept me up most of the night praying for. You may have 10 people in your church at one time with COVID-19. That's hard to lay your head down at night to wonder what's going on. Devil, leave our people alone. God, why? I don't produce a smile a lot of times. You have to muster up to come. Last night I thank God. But I can tell you in the midst of all of that, but just be burdened on the inside. Because those 10 people I know would have loved to have been here last night. I know that. And so when people aren't here, there's a part that ain't with you. That's what the body of Christ is. Amen. And so while men slept, Wild men slept, amen. If Sanchez was here, he'd say, you got all that for free. That had nothing to do with my message, amen. The, the sower determines his harvest. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, the first thing I want to tell you tonight is this, that even the enemy knows when it's harvest time. Even the enemy knows when it's harvest time. Because the, the, the sower sowed what seed? Good seed. And so let me tell you this. A farmer is not just going to go put seed in the ground if the ground hadn't been prepared for, to receive the seed. <laughs> so that tells me that the sower has spent a lot of money and time and probably had a lot of people getting the ground prepared for the seed to go in the ground. Is that right? So that tells me it's harvest time. I'm putting the seed in the ground because harvest time is fixing to come. He knows when it's time to sow because he knows that the, every, the temperature's right, the season is right, and the ground is right. The ground's been made ready. And so guess what? So the sower, the farmer, had the ground made right. Amen. It was tilled up. He got the weeds out of them, and he's got everything ready. And so what did the sower do? The sower put the seed in the ground. Why? Because he knew that it was the time of the harvest too. But also, who else knew? And who was waiting? His enemy. His enemy knew if I'm going to get him in any kind of way, then I got to attack what he is. He's a farmer. He's a sower. And so if I'm going to get him with the attack of the enemy, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to mess up his harvest. If the enemy attacks you where it ain't going to hurt you, why would he ever come at you? 
It's a waste of his time. But what did the enemy do? He watched him get everybody together. He watched him put diesel fuel in them tractors every time. Y'all with me? He watched him spend all that money from Sun South to buy all them John Deere's. He, he sat back and watched him. And he said, guess what? I wonder sometimes even the enemy sometimes just funds that. <laughs> Let me just help him. Because I'm going to help him get it done a little bit quicker. <laughs> and so the enemy just sits back and everything gets ready. And then the sower goes and sows good seed. But when the sower went home and went to bed, because now the long hours are over with, he was watching everything to make sure nothing messed up the ground while he was planting. But now he thinks it's done and over with, so now I can go home and rest. You ever heard anybody just say, I'm going to take a break for a little while? <laughs> I'm just going to take a break for a moment. I'm just going to take a little nap for a minute. I'm just going to rest for a few minutes. I've done got all my work done. And so guess what? Now I don't have to watch over it. And so the sower went home and slept. Wild men sleep. So many times we do things and then we just turn our back on it. Amen. You see, the enemy knows when it's time to sow. The enemy knows it's harvest time just like we do and just like God knows. And so the enemy's just waiting for the lights to go out at the house of God. <laughs> well, I'm going to just watch him take a break. I wonder why the enemy sowed what he has. Because a lot of us shut the lights out on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. The church is asleep. <laughs> I don't think y'all are hearing me. I said the churches went to sleep and it started in the pulpits. We've slowly but surely just started cutting the lights out. We've just started turning the lights out. And so the sowers think, well, my work is done. Well, boy, I sure did preach hard this morning. I think it's time that I go take a break tonight. People wasn't coming anyway. It wasn't about the people to begin with, was it? It was about the call that... I said it was about the call that God placed upon your life. And there's times that you may not even anybody come. I know that Jeremiah was called and set apart from his mother's womb and he argued with God as a little boy. And as far as I know, Jeremiah never saw one convert, but he kept his hand to the plow and he never looked back. He was a prophet to the nations just like God called him to be and he done what God called him to do. I can tell you nine years ago when God sent us here, it was 12 people and the Holy Ghost fell and we were down to six. God didn't say shut the lights out. No, no, no. He said, keep them on longer. He said, you're not here for the people to begin with. You're here for me. I sent you to that house. Now you're going to stay and you're going to plow and you're not going to shut the lights out. You're going to wake the church up. Amen. We got to be a voice. We got to be a voice and wake the church up. John the Baptist was a voice. And he went through the wilderness preaching the gospel. Was he accepted by everybody? No. Who eats locusts and honey? You think they're popular? They're not popular. So the enemy sat back waiting on that sower to turn the lights out. The moment the lights went out, who came? His enemy. That enemy was assigned to that sower. And that enemy waited. That enemy was patient, what a lot of us don't have. See, we, as, as godly people, we want to see something happen right now. But that enemy's patient. That enemy will wait most Christians high. I said the enemy will wait most Christians out. And he'll just wait on the light to go out, John Wayne. 
He's just waiting on that light to go out. But it's time the church be like Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> Amen. Don't let the oil go out. Be Motel 6, John Wayne. Be Motel 6. Let's leave the light on for them. I said, the enemy knows it's harvest time. Do you? The enemy knows when it's time to sow. Do you? Do we know when it's time to sow? Do we know when it's time to reap? The enemy knew what the season was. Listen to this. And if you think for one minute that the enemy is concerned or cares about what you've planted in the ground, you've got another thing coming. Don't you dare sit back and play footsie with the devil. Come on. Come on. Can we just be real just a minute? We just play games with the devil and say, it really ain't that bad if I don't obey God. It really ain't that bad. Here's what we say. God understands me. No, we don't. He understands you. I said that a minute ago. He understands that you're dirt. But he don't understand your personality that you've made you be. God made you you. But we're all created in the image of God. Amen. And so we're all without excuse. The little boy that fed 5,000 could have made a 1,000 excuses of why his lunch wasn't the right lunch. You think out of 5,000 people that he was the only one with a lunch that day? No, but everybody else talked themselves out of giving their lunch. And when the little boy gave his, I bet they all wanted to share theirs then. They missed their chance. Come on. God understands that we're all dirt. But we just play these little games of why we don't obey God and we want to blame God and say, God understands me. God understands why I don't do this. God understands why I don't do that. God understands me. How long are you going to continue to play games with the devil? Because it don't have anything to do with God at what you're saying. But it has everything to do with the devil telling you, just like he did from the very beginning to Adam and Eve, well, the consequences won't really be that bad. God really didn't say that. As a matter of fact, God said if you would partake of this, then you would have wisdom and you would know the difference of good and evil. And so we bite the fruit and we take the bait that Satan is planting from the very beginning of time, but yet we want to sit back as good little, good tissue Christians and say, well, God understands me. Does he? Does God understand your disobedience because of your personality? Does he? Does who we are make us exempt from obedience to the things of God? Not at all. Because the Holy Ghost spoke tonight, is it your fear or is it your flesh? Whichever one it is, you're standing on the brink of the river and won't get in. So whichever one that it is, God called them both out tonight. It can be one or either. But what gets in the way of the Holy Ghost moving? Both of them, fear and flesh. Fear is a spirit that is of the devil. And flesh is never going to come subject to the things of God. It can't. <laughs> the Holy Ghost in us does. Amen. So here's what verse 25 goes on to say. Among the wheat, he sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I don't know if that means anything to you, but you know what he did? He just sowed all the tears, and he turned his back on. He's gone. He's gone. If you think for one minute that the devil cares about you, you got another thing coming too. If you think that the devil feels bad about what he's done to your children, 
But we'll sit back and say, oh, they'll be all right. They'll be all right, John Wayne. Just let Sean go. He'll just, just don't worry about it. Just let him go. Just let him watch this on his phone. Just give them everything they want. Just pat everything for them. They'll be all right. Then we sit back and we're surprised at what's going on in our children and in a generation. Because we sat back and didn't take authority over the devil. We sat back and just let the devil have his way because surely the devil won't really do that to my children. Surely the devil really won't do that to my mama, to my daddy. Surely the devil really, he's not that mean, is he? You mean if I was obedient to God at just one moment that it could shut the devil completely up? Oh, but God understands and surely if I don't obey God, surely the devil won't be allowed to. (laughs) Are you with me? Surely it don't operate like that. Well, I can tell you, you have the right to choose. And I can tell you Deuteronomy 28 says, if I choose one way, then blessings will come to my life. And if I choose the wrong way, then curses are going to come to my life. Amen. So that tells me that I do have the ability to move God. And that tells me that I do have the ability to choose. And if I want blessings to come to my life, then I'm going to choose life. And if I want bad things to come to my life, then I'm going to choose death. One man on the cross said, remember me. And guess what happened? Jesus remembered him. And he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And on the other side of the cross, amen, the thief said, "I." he didn't even acknowledge Jesus. And so as far as I know, he died and went to hell. So that tells me that the decision to choose is all through the word of God. So tonight, you and I have a decision we've got to make. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Because when you choose life, you're not only choosing life for yourself, you're choosing life for your children, for your children's children. And the next generation, when you go to the poll on Tuesday, you're not just affecting you, you're affecting generations to come. We're affecting generations by the way you vote. I said, you're affecting generations by the way you vote. I said this this morning, and I don't mind just saying a name. Amen. God's told me to pastor this church. I can tell you one thing Biden says, the Equality Act. Mom and daddy, if you got a baby eight years old and younger or older, they can come to you and say, well... I'm a man, but if they think they're a woman, then guess what they're going to tell you? I'm going to get a sex change, and ain't nothing you can do about it, Daddy. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Mama, eight-year-old, Mom and Daddy loses all authority. Well, I wonder what's happening. I said in marriage class today, one of the three things that the enemy wants is your seed. He wants separation, he wants space, and he wants seed. I can tell you why he wants seed. He's wanted it from the very beginning of time. Why did he say in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, what did it, the devil knew about that seed? What was that seed going to do? That seed was what was going to be putting Satan under his feet. I can tell you that the devil knew from the very beginning of time that what was going to come out of Eve was going to be a seed that would put the devil right out of, ah, hallelujah. He knew that the devil knew from the very beginning of time that Jesus Christ was going to come from there. And I'm telling you that the enemy has wanted the seed, John Wayne, from the very beginning. Whenever Moses was born, what did they want then? Pharaoh said, put a thing out and let's kill everybody 
baby at age two years old and under, every male child. I can tell you what did the king say in the New Testament when Jesus was born. Said kill every baby from two years old and under. Can I tell you what they wanted? The devil's always wanted the seed. Can I tell you right now? We're living in times and seasons. I'm telling you that's why homosexuality is the way that it is. Why? The devil wants the seed where you can't reproduce. Can I tell you something, church? The devil wants the seed out of my life, your life, this church. Why? So we don't produce Holy Ghost filled, baptized in fire, sons and daughters of God. But I got another thing coming. I serve notice on the devil. He can't have our seed. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I said he can't have it. Hallelujah. Listen to this. The enemy knows it's harvest time to you. Amen. Let me say this. And because we wouldn't so, he did. (laughs) Because we wouldn't so, the enemy did. Listen to this. Because you wouldn't be obedient to God. The devil said, I know God's principles better than most Christians do. (laughs) And I know the principle to sow because I know what I sow, then I'm going to reap a return of that. (laughs) And so Satan said, I'm fixing to mess this sower's little crop all up because he went home and took a nap. And so I know how to personally get him. I know how this is going to affect his relationships. (laughs) Ah, because if his crop gets messed up, who's it going to affect? Everybody. I know how to affect him spiritually because somebody came to him and said, where'd these tears come? Well, I guess I went to sleep and let an enemy in. He didn't know when the enemy came. That sounds like a lot of us. I just, (laughs) I'm just sowing seed. Next thing I know, I got something demonic in the midst of the good that I planted. What happened? Well, I can tell you this. There ain't but one person to be accountable to that. And that was the sower. He did his part. He put the seed in the ground. But just because you're doing your part, but you're not watching and protecting, you got to protect what you plant. I said, you got to protect what you plant. There was some time back that Brother David preached out of the book of Joel about turning your plowshares into swords. Is that right? But there's another scripture in the book of Isaiah where it says turn your, turn your swords into plowshares. That tells me at times when you've been fighting with something, it's time to plant something. But then there comes a time when you've been planting something. Now you got to protect with swords. you got to protect what you planted. Are you hearing me? I said there's times that thing's going to reverse and you got to begin to protect what you planted. There's a time that your plowshares has to turn to swords because somebody needs to stand out on what you put in the ground and you need to wage the, the devil off. Amen. It's time that you and I as the church would wake up and realize that God, that God has given armor for you and I, that God has given us everything that we need to, wipe, to wage war and fight these battles. Let me tell you this, because we wouldn't, so the devil did. Because we wouldn't, so the devil did. Listen to this. The enemy knows the principles of God greater than most Christians do. I'm going to reap 
what I sow. I'm going to reap what I sow. Is that right? That's the truth. Here's what the enemy knows. He knows the principles of sowing in God's kingdom greater than most Christians. Well, I don't have to tithe because I heard what that preacher did nine years ago at that church. He got all the money anyway. So I'm going to go there because I like receiving from what he says. I like the worship music at that church. But if you think for one minute that I'm going to put money in that offering plate because I know he embezzles money. (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I don't know what they do with that money. I don't know where it's going to. Did God say to worry about any of that? (laughs) I don't think God ever said for the sheep to ever question the shepherd and ask where the money goes. But I tell you what you can do. I tell you just show up any day of the week if you want to. Come to this school five days a week. You'll see 31 kids praying in the Holy Ghost. You may see 31 kids learning about the things of God, the grace of God. If you'll just come any day of the week, you can sit with us in an office for four hours a day dealing with children that don't have a daddy in their life, that don't know where their daddy is. Some are in jail and some never has known him. I'm telling you, just walk around this 85 acres and come put your hand to the plow, put a little sheetrock up, paint some walls, build a dock, do something for the kingdom of God, mow some grass on 85 acres. If you don't know what's going on in the kingdom of God and around this house, all you got to do is come and say, show me, show me, show me what's going on. Where's my tithe money going? Amen. Amen. Come about January. If you get ready, get on an airplane, board that old Delta. I can tell you, Brother David will take you to Columbia, and you can see where a church was built in a village, didn't have running water. Now it's got running water. Why? Because God used a little church in Grace Fellowship. God used a little church in Gridney, Florida to send finances over to get water in a village, to build a church in the middle of nowhere. I'll be glad to share with you. You see, God, the enemy knows the principles of God greater than most Christians do. Amen? He does. So while they slept, that enemy was assigned to his field. He said, I know what time it is. I know what season it is. And the enemy waited him out. And he let him get everything planted. Why do you think that's when the enemy comes? When God does his greatest work. The last three weeks, I've never seen as many people in this church. How about y'all? God has moved. You think about this. We had Pastor Lee, had Brother Sanchez, and had Pastor Don Norton today. Now, to me, that's three of the greatest voices in the United States or in the world. Amen? And they were all here in this pulpit. I don't say that arrogantly. I'm telling you, God just designed it that way. Amen? It just happened. But isn't it just like the devil to move in? (laughs) to move in with a little invisible virus and just begin to slowly but surely try to take people out. I'm like, you stupid devil. Is that all right if I call him that tonight? Don Norton said shut up today so I can call the devil stupid, can't you? mo pup. Shut up. (laughs) Russell takes shut up and turns it spiritual. (laughs) I'll let him do that later. (laughs) The enemy knows the principles of sowing greater than most people in the house of God. Do you sow seed? Let me ask you this. 
Are you faithful to sow financially into the house of God? Don't tell me that this is where you go to church, but you sow seed somewhere else. (laughs) That's not what the Word of God says. It says, first, you give to the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's to the house that you attend. Amen? And so listen to me. Don't sit back and say, well, my offering don't really matter. How many times does that get people? Because they say, well, I don't really have a whole lot to give. I'm telling you this, if you make $100 a month, tithe $1. Start right there. God will take that $1 and do what a millionaire that tithes $100,000 does. I believe that the greatest offering in heaven will be the widow's two mites. <laughs> it's not going to be the millionaires that tithe millions, but it'll be the widow's two mites. Sister Tammy, whatever you brought tonight, I just saw the widow giving her two mites. And I knew it was just the principle of God of sowing tonight. And it, was, it just provoked something in me greater. And God said, I'm going to answer her, the, her heart tonight. Your heart. Whatever your heart says, God's going to answer it. Amen? God's going to answer it. Ah, I don't want to say this, but I got to because I'll be this week. This week. This week. You'll have answers for what your heart is long for. This week. Now I can't say if that's for a job or for your children or for what, but there's a longing in your heart that God's going to answer this week. This week. This week. Ah. Just say this week. Jesus. You know, even, even just then, I believe that was a principle of sowing. It's a principle of sowing. And if I hadn't have taken that opportunity to sow what I felt the Holy Ghost saying, what would the enemy have sowed in me and in her all week? You see, we have to sow the right seed. We have to sow godly seed because the devil is always waiting on opportunity. Sister Tammy could have left this service tonight. The ground plowed up perfectly, good seed planted in there. But the enemy said, I'm going to wait till she gets home and sleeps. And I'm going to sow demonic dreams. I'm going to sow demonic doubts. I'm going to sow things right where I laid her open tonight. Isn't that just like the devil? You ever been in a church service and just had a move of God and you felt like your heart was just laid open? Anybody ever done that? And you can't no longer get in the car and you've done, had a knockdown drag out with your husband, wife, children. <laughs> Anybody? Raise your hand. <laughs> Rayleigh has too, mama. Rayleigh raised her hand. She said, yep. <laughs> Who'd you have a knockdown drag out with, Rayleigh Bug? Everybody? Mom. <laughs> Mom. Good job, Brad. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Good job, Dad. He was ducking down, really. He's like, ooh. <laughs> well, <laughs> amen. Teach them to be honest from young. But we have. You know why? I believe because we're laid open just like the farmer. Digs everything up. Good seed is planted. And here comes the enemy sowing. What you got last night wasn't real. The Holy Ghost that you said that you were filled in last night, that ain't the real thing. 
That salvation that you received yesterday, it ain't real. Look at how you've acted. Look, you ain't changed. Look at the things you've done. Ain't nothing different in your life. Look at the seeds that he's sowing, Elaine. Ain't nothing changed about you. You're not really saved. You're not really born again. That worship, you get up there and worship and then you go home and act like a fool and your husband sees the real you. That worship ain't real. And so then the devil starts sowing seed even greater. So when you get to church, I want you to go to church, but you're going to sit right there. You dare get up from that place and lift up your hands and worship and get free. Don't you dare do that. You're a disgust to everybody. And the devil just starts sowing them seeds. The devil just starts sowing them seeds of doubt and disgust and depression. And then he just, and he says, I want you at church. I can tell you, the devil loves when we're at church, especially a spirit-filled church, because he's just breathing them lies. He said, I want you to come, but I'm gonna put you down in that seat where you're so depressed and people's gonna look at your life and say, boy, I don't want what she's got. And then it becomes contagious because can I tell you, when the enemy comes and the enemy starts sowing, can I tell you, attitudes are contagious? And spirits are contagious. And I can promise you when the enemy starts sowing them seeds of doubt and depression, can I tell you that there's a spirit that begins to attach itself to all those little seeds that the devil plants? And can I tell you those spirits are contagious? And can I tell you that that's why praise is so contagious? Because no matter what I feel, I'm going to praise him. No matter what I see, I'm going to praise him. No matter what, I'm going to praise him. No matter what I'm walking through, I'm going to praise him. Let me, let me tell you something, Laney. There's a lot of days... I'm not worthy to get in this pulpit. I feel like I'm the last one that should get up here and preach, but I know that that's what I'm destined to do. I know if I lived off my feelings and my emotions and if I was good or bad through the day, I can tell you there's not a day I'd ever get back here. But I thank God that my God, that Jesus didn't die to make bad people good, but Jesus died to make dead people live. And I know that I'm alive. I said, I know that I'm alive and well filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hey, hallelujah. My God. I said, we're alive. We're alive. We're alive. Hallelujah. We may never be good. We may never feel right to worship again, but can we worship anyway? I may never feel like a preacher, but can I preach anyway? You may never feel like a school teacher, but can you teach anyway? Whew. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. <laughs> but he died to make dead people live. Amen. Amen. There's none good. No, not one. We sure try to be, don't we? We try to be good enough to worship, don't we, Lainey? I want to be. I want to be better than I am. Do you? You honestly do. I know you do. So does Tanner. But them lies from hell, that seed, it always gets you. Do you know how crazy I'd be if I tried to protect everything here? <laughs> school just added to that. 31 kids every day during the school. Now, in my heart, I want to. And I try, but guess what God will let you do? Keep trying. Keep doing it. Come on. Come on, big boy. Let's see how much you got. And the Lord's over there saying, come on. You think you're bad, don't you? Come on, Michaela. You think you're bad, don't you? Let's head that school up just right. No mistakes, right, Marcus? The whole time he's over there sleeping. <laughs> She's working. Not really. He's not asleep spiritually. But it weighs on you because she's trying to make everything perfect. And Marcus like, come on, I just need you. I just need you. This church, try to fix everybody. Try to keep everybody straight. Missions around the world, Israel, Africa, two places in Africa, Liberia, Israel, Colombia, Dominican Republic. <laughs> Amen. A school. Parents attached to that. Jace, Chase, Stacy, Montpat, Dad Jack. Chris. That's just one side right here. Now Bubba's in your house. He's got a little girl. What about that little girl? What about her? You gonna make sure she's all right? Are you gonna make sure he's all right? What about that little girl's mama? What about their family? You see how big this thing can get before you even know it? And if you're not careful, you'll be trying to hold everybody and everything together. And the tentacles off this thing, I don't know anything else to say it, but what comes off of this thing reaches everywhere. Literally. You know this church reaches, I believe it's like, side goes here and one side here and God's hands just touch on the other side and holds it all together it reaches to the dope house reaches to the white house reaches to the school house let me just tell you a little testimony y'all got just a minute just this morning John Wayne helps a lot of people a lot of times right so there was a young man and his mother today. He wasn't supposed to get out of jail until tomorrow, till today, till today. But they released him at 12 o'clock last night, and he called you. He called John Wayne, 
He said, well, I don't know if I got a ride to church. But he called his mom that lives in Ponce Leon. She brought him to church. So they walked in church. Don Norton's been to this church two times. Two times he's been here. And both times were just orchestrated of God. I called Brother Don day before yesterday and said, we've had an outbreak. Are you okay to come? He said, I'm okay. I'm coming. And so Pastor Don Norton comes today, and that guy's here. That guy has been in Don Norton's program two times and walked out. He did not know that Don Norton would be here today. Don Norton did not know this guy would be here today. And so before Don Norton left today, he pulled a chair up and looked at his mama and looked at that boy, and he said, I need help again. Five months ago, he should have stayed at the program, left the program, got arrested for grand theft, went to jail for five months, and after five months, he showed up at Grittany, Florida at GFCC today, and Don Norton from Houston, Texas was here today. This man been in Norton's program two times, and Norton has had personal reference relationship with this guy, and so Norton looked at him and his mom today and said, we'll accept you back, but you're not going to Fort Walton. Fort Walton's too close to home. You're going to Houston, Texas. And so let me tell you, you can't make it up. Even Norton was out in the foyer this morning and said, you don't know that guy? I said, I've never met him before. He said, well, how'd he end up here? And I've only preached here two times, and we're both here. He said, well, thank you, Lord. Even he knew that was the tentacles of what God is doing here in the Holy Ghost that is just reaching to every place and every little detail. God is working it out. Can I tell you, that's the goodness of God. And so can I tell you, the Lord put that on my heart to reach out to Don the other day and say, Brother Don, when are you coming this way again? See, I had an opportunity to sow a seed. I could have just put it away. Maybe Don Norton was only here for this guy today, but I don't believe that was the only reason. I know that I was encouraged in my faith, but if I'd have just swept that underneath the rug and not picked up the phone and called him and asked him when he was coming, and of all days this day, we have to sow. There's principles of sowing. Are you with me still? I'm trying to hurry. So there's principles of sowing financially, relationally, and spiritually. Amen? We must sow because the enemy's going to sow if you don't. And the enemy's going to sow even if you do. So what we have to know is that the good seed is going to outgrow and outweigh the evil seed. Amen? So listen to me. Are you sowing faithfully financially? Because can I tell you that God needs people that will be faithful to sow seed financially. Pastor Norton speak of that this morning. Amen. He spoke of that. We pay our tithes, which is 10%. But how many of us are paying over 10% and giving an offering? How many of us? There are great needs right now. I'll just say in this church, I'm not here after your money tonight. I've never begged or asked for money. I'm just going to tell you the word of the Lord. But I'm telling you, we met this afternoon. We thought the church was going to be here January the 15th. The new church building is going to be here November the 30th. Amen. Praise God to that. Now, that is a huge blessing. But it's going to take a lot of seed sowing to make that come to pass. It's going to take a lot of finances 
Because God made us a promise. Deuteronomy 28, 12, lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. God told us to do that. God said to do that. Two years ago, we went to the village of Olaya in the village at Columbia, and God said, build a church here. Well, a year prior to that, God told us to build a church here. So it really didn't make sense to build a church in Columbia, South America before we build a church here. It didn't really make logical sense, did it? But I want to read a story to you very quickly if you got time. And if you don't, you got time. Amen. First Kings chapter 17 says, verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks and called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She had already made funeral plans for her and her son. But can I tell you, she had, she had the recipe for revival in her hands, and she didn't even know it. Two sticks represent the cross. The oil represents the Holy Ghost. And the meal represents the bread of Christ. Amen. He's the bread of life. That is Christ. She had a recipe for revival, and she didn't even know it. She had a recipe for a resurrection that she didn't even know it. But she had to put into action what she possessed in her hand. <laughs> Many of us have possession in our hand, a recipe for resurrection and revival, and we don't even know it. But we're so carnal, we won't take the next step of faith to listen to what people of God say to us. I said she had it all. She had the cross, she had the oil, and she had the bread. She had everything she needed, but what was she lacking? She had made funeral plans instead of resurrection plans. But now the prophet shows up and says, I got a recipe and I've got the answer, but you have to step in faith if there's going to be a resurrection instead of a funeral. And so maybe some of us tonight have everything that we need in our hands, but we have to take the next step for the miracle of the resurrection and revival to take place. Maybe you've already made your plans for a burial. But God sent me to this house tonight to say, are you ready for a resurrection? Are you prepared for revival? Because everything is about to change. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. Well, many of us would say, well, that's one of them arrogant TV preachers. Well, that's somebody, boy, all they're wanting is me to take care of them first. Can we look past that and know that there's a will of God that is perfect for our lives? Can we look past that and say, you know what, instead of just knocking somebody down and trying to say, well, they're just trying to get something for their own good, can we just trust that God sent them to me because God wants to bring a resurrection and not a burial? Can we trust that? And so the prophet said to her, Feed me first and then go feed yourself and your son. Well, if you're not careful, through the carnal eye, we would reject that and say, God would never say give to me first. 
Just saying. Telling you that for a friend. Amen. Because God will send people our way at times. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. There was a resurrection. There was the promise fulfilled. Listen to this. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Amen. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and the sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Can I tell you that there was a resurrection that came to that boy's life? Can I tell you whenever we take care of God's people that God will always take care of us? Amen. We have the recipe for revival and resurrection, but many of us lack obedience. Can we obey with what God has given us? Can I tell you, you possess your miracle. You just have to act with what God's given you. Amen. I said, we must know the principle of sowing. Do you know the principle of sowing? Pastor Don said it beautifully today, the principle of the first fruits. He said this, if you weren't here today. He said that God told him the first fruit and I did it tonight. Boy, I didn't want to miss that blessing. Whatever you get paid before you spend one penny of what your paycheck is, he said, you'll pay 10% off of that top of that first. He said, so if you get a check for $100 before you spend a penny of the $100, you'll give 10 of the 100 first. And he said, that's a blessing of the first fruit offering. Now, you can take it for what you want to, but I choose to accept it. I choose to accept it. Amen. I choose to accept a man that says, I desire me and my wife to give 90% live off one. Then I choose to accept a man that's going to serve God to that capacity. Amen. So I accept it and I want that blessing of the first fruit offering. We have to be people that sow financially because if you don't sow, then who will? If you don't sow financially, how's this church going to get built? You waiting on somebody else to give to that? You waiting on somebody else to give to that or are you going to give to that? We have to give to these things. If you're not going to sow financially, then who's going to sow to Israel? Who's going to sow to Africa? Who's going to take care of these 150 children that are in Liberian ministries? 750 kids that attend the school. If we don't sow, who's going to do that? Who's going to sow? By the grace of God, we was able to send $1,400 to Columbia to help pastors this week. They split it three ways. They can't help that coronavirus hit them too. And our pastor that we've supported and loved greatly and his sister that we love greatly, she passed away this year. They can't help that they're not like America and we can still pull a dime together somewhere. They have no way to even get out. It was against the law for them to even walk out of their house. And so by the grace of God, through the first hit of coronavirus, we were able to take care of 10 families in Israel. We were able and blessed to send them $7,500 from this little church. When we came into this, the Holy Ghost came upon me and he said, we're going to give more, not less. We're going to give our way through this shutdown. And can I tell you, that's the way that our God operates. Amen. You give more, not less. You give to God first and God will always take care of us. We have to sow and we have to be faithful because if we don't sow, then guess what? The devil will. I'm going to close. Brother Rafe, are you coming? If we don't sow relationally, then the devil will. Listen to me, mom and dad, if we don't sow into our children, if we don't take time to pray and read and make sure that our children are invested in spiritually, then guess who will sow into them? The devil will. The devil will tell them it's all right to watch porn. 
The devil will tell them it's all right to be a homosexual. The devil will tell them it's all right to drink, smoke, chew, and date women who do. Amen. The devil will tell them it's all right for all of that. Amen. The devil will do that. The devil will tell them how to live. The devil will tell them what success is. Let me ask you this. Is success money and plaques on the wall? Honestly, because a lot of parents live by that. That's success to us. But what is true success? I can tell you for me as a father, you know what I want for my children more than anything? Dalen's playing baseball in college. It's what he's wanted to do. But is that what makes me proud? I'm not proud because he's a baseball player. I'm proud he's my son. But my greatest desire for Dalen is to be sold out to Jesus Christ in ministry. I love to watch B.B. play basketball. But does that mean that I want Brandon to be the next Michael Jordan? No. You know what my heart for Brandon is? It's whenever he called me on the phone after youth camp two summers ago and said, Daddy, I don't have a choice. I got to go to Columbia with you. We was able to buy his ticket. It was half the price of all of ours cheaper. And I was able to be on the mission field with my son, Brennan. And I got to see little babies run to Brennan. They love BB. I'm telling you, anywhere he goes, I can tell you my heart's desire for my son, Brennan, is that he be what God wants him to be. Not that he's a good basketball player. I don't like the fact that he's got the brace on because I want to watch Brennan play basketball. I would want to watch Brennan play basketball than anybody in the world. I wouldn't pay to go watch Larry Bird play more than watch BB play. I'm just being honest with you. I love to watch my son play ball. I do. My son Lakin, I want to see him. I believe he's going to be a preacher. He tells me he wants to be a cop. He just said a cop. But I, I believe he's going to be a preacher. Amen. If Adam had authority to name them animals, I'm going to name these boys. Amen. Amen. I told Corbin the other day, he's going to be a preacher. Amen. The Lord gives me the opportunity. I'm going to prophesy into their life. Amen. They might not like it. That's all right. Amen. Call those things which aren't as though they are. Amen. I'm believing for all these kids, for Cohen, all these babies. Carter, I'm, I'm going to tell them, you know. Amen. I said the other day, Landon was going to get an interception. He did, didn't you? You got two since then. Amen. But guess what? You're, gonna, you're a man of God. Amen. I love the fact you can jump up and catch interceptions. I love that. But I want to see you serve God from every day here on out. Amen. I do. I love these children. Amen. This is the next generation. And I'm going to tell you something, church. If we're not sowing into them relationally, then the devil will. And the devil will tell them what's right and what's wrong. The devil will tell them how to live. The devil will tell them what success looks like, what failure looks like. I'm telling you, church, it's our responsibility to sow into these children relationally. It's up to us. Some of you around here are heroes to people that sit next to you and you don't even know it. We won't even take the time to sow into anybody. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go as far as to say this. Every Christian should have somebody they're sowing into. And if you're not, then I'm going to ask you, are you right with God? Because you got to have somebody over you that's sowing into you. And if you're right with God, there's got to be somebody underneath you that you're sowing into them. That's the only way this kingdom works. This kingdom is, there's no lone sheep. There's no isolated sheep. There's got to be somebody over us and somebody under us. We have to be investing in people 
And I'm going to say this again. Don't let fear keep you from investing in anybody. What you have to give somebody matters. What you have to give to somebody matters. There may be somebody somewhere, Tracy, that's just sitting on a pew saying, I wish you'd just come pray with me. I wish you'd just come talk to me. I just wish you would. But yet we sit there in fear and say, nobody wants me to pray for them. Nobody wants me to talk to them. And we let the devil sow seed and we say, the devil will say, you ain't got nothing to offer anybody, Megan. Who do you think you are? Look at your life. Do you think anybody wants to hear what you've got to say? And so the enemy points to those things. And we sit back and we let the devil sow seed of doubt and fear. But I look to every one of you and I say, you've got something to offer. Chelsea Rogers, you've got something to offer other people. The devil's a liar. I watch your life in this church, you and your mother, and y'all are just faithful women of God. Faithful women of God. And I could just see where the devil could just torment your mind, Chelsea, and just say, who do you think you are? Nobody wants you around. The devil's stupid. I'm telling you this, as a pastor here, I look to you two women of God when I'm in this pulpit. There's strength in you. There's authority in you. And I'm telling you right now in front of everybody, in front of God, but I want Satan to so hear me. You two women have something to offer the kingdom of God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you two women have something to offer God. Would you just stand up right there where you are? Just stand up. Come on, Chelsea, just receive it. Come on, I know it's hard. Jesus. Sister Dana, won't you go lay one hand on one and one hand on the other? God's fixing to impart something in both of you. The Holy Ghost is about to fall, and a mantle is going to be placed on both of you. There's going to come a requirement now with what Jesus has done and is doing inside of your life. Jesus. At the laying on of hands. Hallelujah. If we don't sow relationally, the devil will. The devil will. Let me just say this very quickly. If you have a word that is going to encourage and uplift somebody, would you do that in the flesh? Or is God telling you to do that? Well, then quit leaving this house saying, oh, I should have done it. But I just thought that it was just me. Well, you wouldn't have done that because you're mean. You're mean. We're mean by nature. We're flesh. Am I right? Because if I would have said something, I would have hurt you. But I had a word for you that was going to uplift you and encourage you. 
So who could that have been? Had to be God. So why do there's your opportunity to sow relationally. But because we didn't, then the devil said to that person, ain't nobody at that church even care about me. Nobody talked to me. Nobody cares about me. That's the 10th church I've been to and nobody would even speak to me. But God dealt with about 10 people to go to that one person, but everybody said, I ain't got nothing good to offer them. And so we don't sow relationally. Now listen to me. Some people's always got something to say. That ain't what I'm talking about. Because some things you got to say, can't nobody understand what you're saying and it don't mean nothing. <laughs> Is that right? Amen. I need an amen from somebody. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Keep playing, Rafe. I feel the anointing. <laughs> I'm talking about going in the Holy Ghost. If you got a word for somebody, well, I, I ain't Sister Stacy. I can't go. Well, I ain't Brother Russell. I can't sing like that. Well, I'm not the pastor. Well, I'm not Brother Michael. God didn't ask them to go to them. God asked you too. He asked you too. But some people does always have something to say, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about moving in the unction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm one of them people. I talk a lot. Amen. So a lot of times I have to just say, no, that ain't God. I just want to say something good or bad or whatever. Amen. I'm talking to me. Amen. The third thing, if you don't sow spiritually, somebody will. We have to sow spiritually in the supernatural because if you don't, then the enemy has demons that move supernaturally too. I said the devil has demons that move supernaturally too. Amen. They're supernatural, but they're evil. And they're wicked. But they are supernatural, and people are drawn to the angel of light. Because people want freedom. People are looking for miracle signs and wonders. People are looking. But if the church isn't doing that, then there will be a move at the bar. There will be a move at the juke joint. <laughs> the strip clubs will open back up and there'll be a move in there. And you'll be moved by your emotions. And you'll be touched at the bar, the liquor store. All that'll be open and it'll be waiting on you to come. There'll be a move. But what will move you? Will you sow? Because the enemy don't care. Let me say this. Tears can grow quicker than wheat. I said tares can grow quicker than wheat. And so tares have a tendency to draw people. Tares have a tendency to draw the wheat to the tare. And here's another thing that tares have the ability to do. Not only do they grow quicker, but they grow bigger. Uh, and so isn't it just like the devil to try to get a little bit bigger. If you look at pictures online, you'll see where tares are a little bit taller and a little bit bushier than the real wheat. But here's the problem. It's just like the devil to always try to get our attention away from the true fruit of life. Let me say this. The devil will do what you don't do. 
The devil will do what you didn't do. The devil will come and sow whenever you're asleep. I looked up in the Greek what tear means. It means a kind of darnel resembling wheat except the grains are black. You think that's a coincidence? One's dark, one's light. Tears will always lead you to the dark side. I said tears will always lead you to the dark side. Would you stand to your feet? John Wayne.